all, and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to be chatting about sustainability, which is actually one of the topics that I wanted to talk about when I started the podcast, and it has been in the podcast description on like all streaming platforms that our podcast is like partially about sustainability, and I've never done an episode on it. But it's something that I'm really interested in and that I've kind of developed a passion for over the last few years. And we finally have someone to chat with about it. Um, Today, we have Alex Gamboa Grand of at wayofbeing.co with us to talk about sustainability and specifically holiday sustainability. Um, How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, actually. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm one of the two co-founders of Way of Being. And we started Way of Being uh, two years ago. It's me and my co-founder, Lindsay Jansen-Smith. And we just really feel passionate about making sustainable living more accessible to more people. Like it doesn't have to be a super niche thing that only if you're super gung ho, you can, you know, actually do something about like, we just realized that most people care to some extent about the environment or, you know, just kind of want to, you know, do the right thing or live as intentionally as they can. And so we, you know, have been really excited to have this platform to educate people and help help them do that. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because I didn't know that that's like, you know, your guys's kind of statement, but that's literally like at the very end of the podcast, what I say is like, we can always be more intentional about like living mindfully. Like that's kind of mm. the whole point of the podcast is all these topics exactly. is just how do we find ways to just be more intentional about things across the board? Um, And yeah, that's one of the things we're going to try to talk about today is some of the accessibility uh, points of sustainability, because I think it's become this really hot topic over the past few years. And there's been a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of shame and a lot Mm -hmm. of like uh, a lack of intersectionality, I think, around the topic. And I know as someone who, when I find something that I'm passionate about, I really want to put my whole heart into it. And I've seen the way that people have been kind of exclusive and gatekeepy and like only promoted aspects of sustainability that are really not accessible. And like, as like when I was like in college, it's like, I can't afford that. Like, I don't know how to do this without like spending loads of money. And like, even like for a while I was broke poor and I was trying to like buy like recycled paper towels and like my friends were like maybe not the best use of your money right now but I like was like I'm trying to help I don't know how to help without spending money and um I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it as well um Mm -hmm. and yeah we're going to talk about some of that today but I think that the the main kind of goal of this conversation too is I read something and it's now circulated a lot on the internet but the post about like you know to the person who's vegan but uses plastic water bottles like thank you Mm -hmm. and kind of the idea that like everybody can do something and nobody can do everything um but yeah so I guess starting off like how did you what got you interested in sustainability like where was that just a passion point that you've had for a while or where did that come from yeah, so I've I've been interested in sustainability for a long time, but it's it's evolved over the years. Like I remember and I, you know my old friends from like middle school and high school will say that like they're I'm the one they always think about when they recycle and stuff. Like I don't I rarely even remember that I was like that into it that young, but 
yeah, I was um, from a young age, probably yeah, around middle school and high school, I just cared a lot about the environment. And that really meant at the time, like recycling and not littering and right. maybe carrying a reusable water bottle. I think I've been doing that since high school or so. But um, I remember my dad took me to see An Inconvenient Truth in high school. And that's when I really learned about climate change and became really passionate about and, you know, nervous. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah. The guilt started set, setting in that, like, oh gosh, we need to do something about this. But at the time, I didn't really know what that meant on an individual level. I just cared a lot about it and wanted, like, you know, government and like big corporations and stuff to do something about it. And I carried my reusable water bottle and I recycled as much as I could. And um, I actually, um, I think things, I started learning how to kind of level up when I started realizing um, just the power that individuals have. And, um, and I actually learned that through realizing the power that businesses have Um, Mm -hmm. because we often associate business as being like the, you know, the main culprit of all of the bad things that happen in the world. And they're the ones that are contributing to climate change. But um, I actually, I got my MBA at Portland State University and I studied um, social innovation and entrepreneurship. And I just kind of learned about how, you know, if businesses can be a part of the problem, they can also be a part of the solution. And businesses are ultimately driven by consumers, by individuals that are, you know, spending money with those businesses or not. So I just got really excited about, um, you know, there's all these little things that we do and there's all these little signals that we send to people when we buy certain things, when we live our lives certain ways. And it ultimately does have a huge impact, um, on the environment. And you can, we can see that in, in different movements, like, you know, for example, like organic food, like 10, 15 years ago, like organic food used to be really inaccessible and, um, and it still is in, in many areas, but it used to be way more expensive, way less, um, available. And because so many people decided that that's something they cared about and started going out of their way to buy organic food, then it became really, um, much more popular and more easily accessible and many more farmers started practicing organic farming. So it just kind of shows that's just an example of like the power of individual consumers and how we can kind of shape what the world looks like um, just by doing things that we do on a daily basis a little bit more intentionally. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that the, the overwhelming like nervousness and guilt, I think is something that I really realized once I kind of got into college and started learning about a lot of things that I hadn't really been educated on in the past, um, across the board, like a lot of different social causes. And it's not talked about a lot how like, it's one of those things where like, once you like open your eyes to it, there's a lot of kind of like panic and overwhelming, like, Oh God, how do I help? Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that feels really discouraging is the idea that like, oh, I don't have any power in this. And like, oh, I'm not going to make a difference in this. And when you don't feel like you have any way to actually help, why would you spend your time and your energy making the little moves? You know what I mean? If you don't feel like it's actually going to make a difference. And I've actually never thought about it in that way of the idea that like, if you're constantly buying like single-use plastic 
things, you're sending the message to that business that even though their practices are not sustainable, it doesn't matter and they're still going to get your money. And I mean, think about the freaking straw thing. Like Mm -hmm. people all of a sudden started showing a lot of care about straws and every business and their mom was like, we got you. (laughs) Here's your, here's your paper straws. The whole stainless steel straw market like skyrocketed. And now it's like nobody buys plastic straws, especially from like the actual like grocery store. Like my mom used to buy plastic straws all the time. We used to have (laughs) boxes of them. And now it's like, like you can tell that the market has shifted in that. Granted, like I think that, the the weird token straw movement to like be like we did our part yeah it's like <laughs> the one thing yeah yeah like <laughs> climate change is fixed like we we switched out our straws mm-hmm. maybe wasn't the best like the best way to assume that everything they everyone had like done their part in yeah. you know even like businesses will kind of oh well we have reusable cups <laughs> it's like we did it <laughs> it's like oh, okay yeah but I mean well, it was a, a representation of how powerful like like movements are. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a lot easier. Like I see a lot of people just, it's easier to point the finger basically at like, it's oil companies fault. It's like all these, you know, it's easier to say it's like this politician's fault for not doing enough and that, but you know, for me and Lindsay, we were really sick of feeling like we had to wait for somebody else to solve the problems. And when we realized that we could actually make a difference with those little things, then it was really empowering. Like it, it changed, it turned from like guilt and just overall dread because you don't have any power to realizing that we do actually have a lot of power. And we've seen many examples of these movements. And even though these things are small, like the straw thing, it's, it is kind of funny that people would like hone in on this one thing, but like totally forget about like single use plastic utensils. Even if it was at the same restaurant, you like, you care about the straws, but not about utensils not about the napkins or whatever <laughs> but it's also yeah. a step because people started thinking about straws you know yeah which is yeah. helpful because i think people it's easy not to um to think twice about all the things that are very normal to us but um i also think that it can have a little bit of a negative i think it's net positive because people are caring more and paying more attention to these little things but mm-hmm. also I've heard people be like, well, I really like straws. So, like I'm, I can't be, um, you know, I can't be an environmentalist. I'm like not an, I'm not somebody that cares about the environment because I, I like straws still. Like, I think we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. If we get too attached to like one single little part of the movement, like maybe you can use straws, but then, you know, use less water or like, right. Yeah. Or you like to work or, you know, there's all, there's a whole wide variety of things that we can each do. So I do hope it kind of broadens a little bit and people are start to think more holistically. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's where it gets kind of gatekeepy is it's like, like I've had people be like, well, you can't be, you can't really care about environmentalism if like you take like long showers or like if you like drive everywhere and it's like, it, it gets so generalized where and that's where we're going to talk about privilege a little bit about just kind of the how to how to do this in an like accessible, affordable and like equitable way. Um but I think that a lot of times people just assume that everybody has this kind of same starting point and it's like 
you might have the finances to do X, Y, Z, but like for someone else, like that might be the, what, what really like separates being able to pay rent and not be able to pay rent. Like there are different experiences and different, um, backgrounds for everybody. And I know for me, even like, like really like hot showers that are a little bit longer are like one of the things that like saves Mm -hmm. my mental health. Like it's like one of the things that like has been recommended by my therapist. And it's like, sorry guys, like I got to take that one. And it's like, but at the same time I can kind of try to customize it a little bit to fit needs and do a little bit of a give and take, but also be like, okay, well maybe that's something that's realistic for me to give up, but let's research and find out what is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, by the way, I'm also a long shower taker and that's probably like the thing that I feel the, like the most conflicted about. That yeah. Yeah. But I totally agree. And yeah, we kind of, we kind of started our business when there was a lot of like the mason jar kind of zero waster that, you know, yeah, yeah. Get all their trash from a year into a mason jar, which is amazing. Like that. Yeah, for sure. Like a really noble thing to do. And, um, a lot of like our customers, um, are that type of zero waste person. And that's amazing. But yeah, a lot of people just get turned off by thinking like it, it's either all or nothing. And so sure. we feel like not only are there differences in like, you know, how much money people make and how much they're able to afford spending or whatever. Um, but also there's just differences in personality. There's things yeah, that yeah. we're like attached to maybe culturally or whatever. There's all kinds of, like you said that you're the kind of person who likes to just go all in. And like Lindsay, my friend and business partner, she was like that too. Like she like just changed so much of her lifestyle, like within maybe six months or something. And I was like doing step by step. I focused on my kitchen first or whatever. And there were some things that I was very, it took me a long time to like change my hair care routine because I have curly hair. And I was very like apprehensive about the shampoo and conditioner bar thing working for my hair. I've actually been shocked at how much I love it, but like, you know, everybody's different. And I think we can actually have way more impact if we like are, we are open about the different ways that people can come in, um, about what it can look like to care and to be intentional in your daily life. And just to like, let people go at their own pace. Yeah. Yeah. I very much so relate to your business partner. Um, I was that exact same way. Like I, I watched a documentary and got my world rocked. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm a terrible person. I have to figure everything out now. (laughs) And I made the mistake too, of at first, like wanting to throw all the things away that didn't fit the, the, you know, definition of what was sustainable. And I literally had everything in a, in a bag. And then I was like reading and it was like, the first rule, like use what you have. And I was like, wow, fuck, like, okay, I'll put it back. (laughs) And so then I was like online and like trying to like, you know, sign up for like different things. And I also went cruelty free, like at the same time. And so then I was like, oh my God, like, I remember I, like I still, uh, all may like the makeup brand all may just went cruelty free, like very recently. And I remember I I literally like lost like hours of sleep over the fact that I couldn't find a makeup remover that worked with my skin. Um, besides all May. And I was like, yeah. but they hurt animals, like, ha. And I was like just losing it. And I spent so much time and money on it. And honestly, money that I didn't have because I felt like I had to do everything or do nothing. And um, I also felt I think that the other like part of it too is 
having grace with yourself when your circumstances change or your personality shifts a little bit where maybe something that didn't used to be important to you becomes important or maybe your financial situation changes or maybe a pandemic happens and you realize you have to order a lot more things than you used to need to mm-hmm. order. Yeah. Um, that was a big one for me was like I had really gotten my like sustainable routine down mm-hmm. and then COVID hit and I was like, okay, so like now I'm like I'm signing up for Amazon Prime again because I'm having to order things and I had been off Amazon mm-hmm. Prime for like four years and I was really proud of myself for it. And then I got a dog and I was like, well, this is a nightmare because she's, this is, she's, she uses potty pads. Like what the hell am I supposed to do with that? (laughs) And so it's like, I tried the sustainable alternatives. I tried the fresh grass and she tried to eat it. And I was like, that's not going to work. And so it was all these things where like my situation really drastically changed and the routines that I had in place that were really sustainable kind of got like derailed. And me being the person that I am, I'm brutally hard on myself. I was like, I have failed the world. Like it's my fault that climate change is happening. Like I just felt terrible. And I think that so much of it is just like having the grace with yourself of being intentional where you can. And then also being honest about the fact that like, this is not all on your shoulders and like, it's not all your fault and you're also not going to fix it by yourself. And so like trying to shoulder the responsibility by yourself is just not realistic. And it's just going to create for this kind of like guilt cycle where you just feel shameful and guilty and like you can't make a difference and that's not going to help anybody and it's not going to help your mental health. Yeah. Guilt is not sustainable. It's just like when I think about (laughs) sustainability, it's really like, what can you, I mean, what does sustainability really mean? Right. It's like, what are you able to sustain doing for a long time? And like, when we think about like this practice, this um, application of sustainability. It's about thinking like basically as a human species, like what are we able to keep doing to survive and thrive like long into the future? But also, you know, like, you know, if you're, for example, like as a metaphor, like if you are um, in school and you're like pulling all nighters every single night and you're only eating like five hour energies and like fast food or whatever, like you're going to burn out. It's not going to work. And so we do the same thing to ourselves when we like are really, we feel really bad about all of our actions and stuff. Um, And basically also that's what we're doing like with like the earth right now, right? We're like, we're burning ourselves out. Um, And so we just, it's, it's helpful to kind of take a, um, a slower approach, honestly. And I think kind of ease into it. And I think it's totally normal. I, I can totally relate to your experience of like, actually early in COVID, there were, I had some setbacks like with my groceries. I had been really good about like shopping in the bulk section and not using a lot of packaging or containers. And so I, I had a setback there. But then I also was doing more. I had more time like because my social life was like nothing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or like I had more time to like make my own oat milk or, you know, you know, just little things like that. And then this year has been just really hard for me personally. And it's been super busy and I've been feeling bad because I haven't had as much time to do that kind of thing. And it kind of just is a reminder to me that also my current lifestyle of how I've been like letting myself feel isn't working either. Like I do need to kind of give myself more of a break, allow myself to slow down, allow myself to prioritize the things I want. Um, 
but I don't know. We just need, we do need to have more grace with ourselves and with each other and also yeah, not be judgmental sure. of each other for not getting it right. Like I think people are, people actually always assume that I'm going to judge them if they do, you know, whatever, use a plastic water bottle in front of me or a straw or something. And I'm like, you know, I know that everybody has their things. Like, I know you don't do that, but you do this other thing. And right. Like, you know, I'm not perfect every single day. So we just have to kind of like give each other, give ourselves a little more grace and wiggle room. And I think that this movement could use a lot more of that if it wants to really have the most impact because people are not, it just doesn't work for people to be super negative and like, moralistic and hardcore and you, you can only right. be a part of it if you're like do exactly this 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 I mean it's just not gonna work long term yeah and I think like as someone I came from like a highly religious like very fundamental like environment where it really was black and white right or wrong and that definitely mm-hmm. I think I was are I think like out of the womb, I was already like a very black or white like right or wrong kind of person mm-hmm. but then growing up and having that reinforced um it has been the ride of a lifetime as an adult to be like, Oh God, I have to be like, (laughs) there's nuance. And like, I have to learn that. And like, it also, you can really hurt people when you're super drastic and, um, firm and you don't have grace for people and it hurts yourself. And the thing about it is like, just like you're mentioning the whole like emotions not being sustainable and like, like having certain ways that you're thinking about things not being sustainable. Like, you might be able to shame somebody into something to start off with, but that's not really going to be a sustainable way of keeping them passionate about it or keeping them involved. Like shame just makes people feel small. And so I think when there's this kind of like shameful dialogue around like trying to, I've seen it a lot in the vegan movement of just like Mm -hmm. the whole, like you have to be vegan or like you're worthless. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. it might scare some people into it to start off with, but like that's not going to be a sustainable motivation for like long-term. Um, and it, it's so much healthier and also just healthier, like for people's mental health to be able to say, yeah, no, like I'm not going to judge you. Like I understand yeah. that everybody's experiences are different and like, we're all going at our own pace. We're all doing the best that we can. And like, that's why I love that I don't know if it was a blog post or what that thing is from where it's like, if you know the whole, if you're vegan and you use plastic water bottles, all that, the big list of things that yeah. was like the one thing that I saw somebody reposted it like two years ago. And I was, I literally like kind of took a deep breath and was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I feel a lot better about this. And I think if that was just more um, communicated, I think that people would feel a lot safer to be able to kind of, try it and maybe make some mistakes in, in the midst of it and try again. And there wouldn't be such an intense fear of like not being a good enough environmentalist. You know what I mean? And by the way, this applies to, I mean, it's like hearing you, you say all this about like not shaming people and it not working. This applies to so many things in our culture, right? Like we just have kind of a culture of shaming people who disagree with us or whatever. And this isn't really a persuasive way to for us we just makes us like hate it makes us um it alienates people against what you're trying to do because people are we're very inclined to we know we all have good intentions like really so if i have good intentions and maybe i'm trying at all these other things maybe i'm not good about like minimizing plastic packaging but i support a lot of small local businesses and i go to the farmer's market and i and whatever xyz 
and you're not, you're like blaming, shaming me because I'm not doing enough like that. I, I see myself as being someone who cares. And so your judgment of me doesn't line up with what I, how I see myself. So I assume you're wrong and your way is right. bad. So it's just not a good way to get people on your team. Um, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It, and it's like, I, I've, I will like preach till the day I die that I think that people's innate desires in life are like to be heard and seen and known. And I think whenever people feel shame, they either get defensive or they cower back and they feel small, but no matter how their reaction is, it's, it's violated the safety of that environment. Mm -hmm. And like the way when you are able to make mistakes and you're able to be welcomed with open arms still when you make mistakes, or even when you're not doing everything perfect, like that's what cultivates safety. And then that cultivates like really healthy, open conversations. And when there isn't that safety or it's been violated by just like shame and really high expectations of people, that's also like what creates like burnout in religions and burnout in workplaces and in schools and even in like interpersonal relationships is like when there's mm-hmm. this like really high expectation and anytime you're not perfect, it's met with shame. That's your, you oh. will not last. Like you just Amen, won't. Sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you and I were raised very similar. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> you probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's also like, you know, taking it wider culturally, like there's been quite the exodus of people realizing p- ways they've been raised, ways they've been, um, beliefs that have been constructed, realizing like this is not sustainable for me and I've been burnt out for a long time and I now need to, you know, shift my focus and I think that that's the thing that obviously this, there's such a high stakes consequence with with environmentalism where it's like, y'all, we might lose where we live. Like, exactly. like we, we mm-hmm. got to like create an environment that doesn't uh, promote burnout and doesn't create this environment where people can only do it for a little bit. And then they're like, I don't like this. I feel small. Yeah. I feel judged. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, screw this. That's like obviously what you want to avoid. Um, and so exactly. I think having safe environments is like vital for, for many reasons, but also like yeah. for very high stakes reasons. Yeah. It's literally like, uh, yeah. Life or death. It's, I mean, yeah, it, no, I totally, exactly. That's like, that was really why we started way of being, and it was called good intent originally, but it really is because we feel like the stakes are high and we feel like it just works better to lead with positivity or with openness with with less judgment and um not having to be perfect and that's just like this is is with humanity like this is just how we are (laughs) let's let's just expect that people are going to be human and treat them as such and we can have so much more impact that way and it actually is really exciting to see because it works i mean i've seen people kind of you know with even within my my own life or within I, some of the customers of ours that I know that like, you know, my mom, for example, that, or, or people even that are like, um, you know, my friend's grandparents or whatever that are like changing their deeply ingrained habits. Yeah. And it, because it doesn't feel like it's just for hipsters or, you know, it's just, you can only do it one way and they don't have to change everything. Um, but it's been really encouraging to see how, it's been working for so many different people across different cultures and ages and regions because um, 
I don't know, something about that resonates that people, that they can do something, but it doesn't have to be everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, we already have so much pressure just as humans to do so much and we're given the way that I think specifically like American consumerism and capitalism is set up as like, we're, there's a lot of pressure on us to do a lot of things and there's not a lot of time or rest or like actual like aftercare to like make sure that people are okay. And so I think when some of that pressure is relieved, it makes it, you know, you, you end up having a lot more energy to give. And, you know, I think that I'm sure we'll agree on this, but just the idea of like the whole let's approach it without shame and without judgment it it is just like it it like statistically too like you look at companies who have less burnout like it's the companies that treat their employees and like try to take care of them and have like an open communicative mm-hmm. environment and once you start doing it in your own life with with a lot of different like social causes i literally just before we got on this call had like a very serious conversation with somebody about an experience that i had had that they had not experienced and some misconceptions that they had about the experience and the conversation of like, well, let me share with my experience. And it wasn't like, a, I'm pissed at you. You're wrong. You're stupid for not knowing. It was like, a, let's just have a really open conversation about like why that isn't the most accurate viewpoint. And even like, you know, why that viewpoint or why, how you communicated that, like, I didn't feel great to me. And ended totally fine. Like, and if I had come at it of like a, you're wrong, like that was hurtful, Mm. rawr, like, and just been super aggressive and shameful with it, I guarantee it wouldn't have been a great conversation. But like when you approach things with safety and with like, I don't, I don't hate you because you did something Mm. that didn't align perfectly with what I was expecting, or it wasn't a perfect representation of something. People just thrive in safe environments. Like they just thrive in environments that aren't rooted in shame. And I think that's such an across the board thing. And I think our society is grasping onto it a little bit more than they used to. Yeah. Um, And better than that. But (laughs) I was going to say, and that's like, by the way, that's like a huge win that conversation you had. I I can tell those are hard conversations to have. But it's something that's kind of interesting about this too. I mean, like sustainable living, I think that there's like this perception that it means like buying more of this like certain type of thing and like having more rules for yourself. And it seems harder, but I feel really strongly that, you know, really sustainable living means a lot of different things, but it really means consuming less. It means simplifying. It means like minimalism in some ways, but also it's like, it's a more kind of natural human way of living. And we we're, we kind of been overdoing it a little bit in a lot of ways, but I actually think to what, to your point about like what actually feels better for us, I think it, that's been um, kind of a surprise to me is living this way and being intentional about the impact of my actions um, has actually been better for my mental health too. Like I, it just feels like a better way of living. Um, it's, you know, it, for, there's a lot of different examples of that, but for like, for one, um, like one thing that I, I try to do is, um, for the food that I eat, um, try to minimize how much packaging I use. Right. So I end up shopping mostly in the produce section and the bulk section. And so my, the foods that I eat are a lot simpler or I shouldn't say simpler, but like with simpler ingredients, less processed food. And right. like, I've noticed like a huge improvement in like my personal health. Um, 
And it also is just like a more wholesome kind of, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just like kind of a more wholesome way to do it. And it's, um, there are just all these other benefits of doing it like that. Um, and just more intentional, like there's more thought mm -hmm. going into it. Yeah. It's like, for some reason, there's something about like making a dish made up of like five ingredients from scratch and it doesn't have to be hard. Like there's something that's, it just feels innately better than like popping something that you got from the freezer into the microwave for two minutes or whatever. There's something about that. That's like, this is a way that humans have lived for like most of human existence and kind of slowing down is going back to how we really like evolved to be. Um, yeah, it's, it's like all, it like primally feels right. <laughs> yes, like truly there and there's there's kind of lots of small examples of that too, but it's like we're kind of getting back to our roots by by thinking like this. So, yeah, there's something that feels really right about it, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um well like so coming from the kind of perspective that it doesn't necessarily mean buying all these things and I think that we've had a little bit of a unfortunate um like cap capitalism snuck into <laughs> like sustainability where yeah. it's like, Hey, look at all these new things you can buy that are made of bamboo and like mm-hmm. throw everything away and buy all this stuff. Um, which I've learned like the most from sustainability from like my grandparents who lived in the great depression era because mm-hmm. they throw nothing away. She, my grandma literally sent me home with soup in an old gelato container right. and it's like, she <laughs> has stuff for years and it's like, she might have plastic, but like none of that plastic is single use, nor will it ever be right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she will reuse that stuff until it is like, it can't be used anymore. Um, sometimes to their detriment where it'll be like, your vacuum hasn't t- picked up any dirt in like an extended period of time. Like you need something new and they're just like, they fight it tooth and nail. Um, but for people who maybe are feeling overwhelmed about the potential cost of it or, you know, don't have that financial privilege and are trying to figure out sustainability in a more like intersectional way, what would you say to somebody who doesn't have the same, you know, resources and wants to make some some changes in some small ways that maybe aren't super costly or super time consuming? Yeah, all those points are are super valid. And um, there's a great chart that's like a hierarchy of needs that kind of shows like, you know, to live sustainably, like the the last resort should be buying something brand new that like replaces something else. Um, The first thing should be like using what you already have, like you mentioned, Um, you know, repairing things and like allowing, helping things to last for longer. Like, for example, with clothes. Um, like we already have a lot of clothes and, and a lot of times we don't really take great care of them. Like we throw stuff in the dryer on high. That's not really supposed to be like that. And we just kind of like let stuff get battered and then we throw it away, but like taking care of things so that they last a lot longer and repairing them or getting them repaired when they get kind of broken down. Um, and, and thinking about what you have, um, as being like, as being inherently valuable and, and treating it with and cherishing it with value, um, goes a really long way. And I think that that's one of those things too, that like our grandparents used to, you know, that's kind of the way they used to think about things. And we kind of, um, have evolved into this like throwaway culture, but trying to avoid throwing things away. And then also, um, 
you know, if you do need to buy something new or replace something, like trying to find a secondhand option first. Um, and, you know, and actually we, so we, there's kind of a lot of different examples of, we carry stuff in our shop that's really supposed to be like, if you can't find it elsewhere, like this is, this is a new version. This is like the, the most sustainable alternative that you can buy new. But we really um, have always promoted that you should, you know, buy used first. You should use what you have first and repurpose and and repair. All of those things matter um, a lot. And I also feel like, so one of the other big opportunities is using reusable products instead of disposables. And like, we don't really realize it doesn't feel like it costs that much. Like when we're buying paper towels or you know, single use plastic or whatever. Um, it it doesn't feel like it adds up, but it actually ends up adding up to so much over your lifetime. And we've done like a series of posts that kind of identify that, like, you know, a razor, for example, like if you use razors to shave, like how many are you buying throughout your lifetime and how much does that cost adding up? Like if you bought like a stainless steel, um, reusable safety razor, it might cost $26 on the front end which might be inaccessible to some people, but you'll really end up saving so much over mm-hmm. the lifespan. Um, and it'll, it'll last you a lifetime um, if you take care of it. So I think um, we just kind of need to start thinking a little bit more about the long term. And, um, and ultimately, if you're living sustainably, if you're doing it right, it should actually cost you less. Like on a monthly basis, you should be spending less because you're consuming less. You're buying right. less stuff. Like we, we, um, and that's like another way that I think it's helpful. Actually, like from a mental health standpoint, like it kind of contradicts our that impulse that we've kind of had and deeply ingrained in our culture of like you have to kind of buy new stuff all the time to feel good or to keep up. And if we create um, this culture of you know simplicity, or it's okay to like rewear the same outfit multiple times um, because I, I definitely grew up I like I'm from LA originally and I remember like never wanting to be seen in the same outfit again um, yeah by my friends or whatever and feeling like I always needed new stuff but when we we kind of flip that and normalize reusing and keeping things for a long time you know it goes a long way and maybe you buy like you add two, I shouldn't say even buy like new things, but maybe you buy or add a couple new things to your wardrobe every year. And some of them are secondhand. And when you do add them, they're um, better quality and they're meant to last you 10 years and they can be repaired. Like ultimately you're going to be spending a lot less. Um, And I think what you were saying too, is a great point about um, like, I think we associate sustainable living with buying, you know, Clothes, I think, is just a, a great example. Like we feel like sustainable clothes cost more, and it, like so that's like an inaccessible thing for a lot of people. But a lot of the culture, like the, the cultures that I came up from, you know, I'm black and Latina. My mom's side of the family is black, and my dad's side of the family is uh, Costa Rican. And both of these cultures that I don't know, uh, probably a lot of people don't think of as being sustainable. Like I was taught things by both sides of my family that are inherently sustainable, minimal, including, you know, reducing energy by turning the lights off when you leave a room or by doing things like reusing and repurposing all kinds of things. And I think we get kind of get attached to like the aesthetics of what sustainability looks like on Instagram. 
But like in reality, there's all kinds of things that probably a lot of us have been doing our whole lives. You know, I don't know if anybody did this, but like when you're low on, you know, liquid dish soap or hand soap or something like adding water to it so you can use every last drop of the soap or, or not wasting food. There's all these things that, you know, are not only like, or have they been a part of our culture and we've kind of haven't been giving due credit for how sustainable those actions are, but it's like kind of a human nature thing. Like we kind of don't like wasting. Like I, and nobody really likes to see waste. <laughs> right. And so, you know, just by not wasting food, not, um, you know, overly throwing things away and treating things as very throwaway, I think, um, you know, it's most like if you're doing it right, living sustainably, it should be costing you less, not more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, the reusable thing specifically was one of the first things that I did. And granted, like complete transparency, my journey with sustainability has fallen off so much over the last year. Um, and so I'm very much so, even just financially, I had a lot of different financial things that it was like trying to um, figure, like even trying to invest in the reusable things so I could stop doing the the things that were disposable. I was like, oh, I don't have that money up front. But I think that when I have been able to invest into like reusable items, specifically like reusable like facial pads for like um mm-hmm. for like makeup and stuff, it's amazing how many of those you go through if you use them that like the ones that are disposable and mm-hmm. how the other ones will last for a while. Um and even like reusable menstrual pads, like it's not as mm-hmm. gross as it seems, believe it yeah, or not. Totally. Like trying to like for me like I menstrual cups have never worked for me the way that my my uh like vaginal canal it just they <laughs> literally don't fit I don't know how yeah. to make them fit I've tried like four different brands and I'm like I get it it won't it won't work um but my kind of like switch out was like I'll use like I'll just use like tampons and use like organic tampons that are like more sustainable and then use uh like reusable pads and that way I'm like right. kind of give one take one um And one of the first things that I did was actually invest in some like tumblers, like some tumbler cups, because I used to go and get a watermelon peach Red Bull literally every day. (laughs) And um, I would go through so many of those plastic cups and they'd always be stacked up in my car. And um, when I moved into my own apartment, um, actually during COVID, it was during COVID because I was living at my parents' house and I didn't want to leave the house to go to a coffee shop because it freaked me out. So I like got the syrup from for the mm. Red Bulls on my own, um, which is still plastic. Uh, some of the bottles are, are glass, so that's a little bit better. Um, and then still using the aluminum cans for the Red Bull, but now I use a tumbler. And the amount of cups, like if I'm drinking five of those in a week – and you do that, like that's like twenty a month, and then do the math on that. Like, yeah, it's a lot of plastic cups and a lot of straws that are not being used. And although I'm not the the entirety of that process is not perfectly sustainable. Like, I'm still using aluminum cans, and I'm still using like those refillable syrup containers that I have to replace every like six ish months. But I'm still saving. Like, Red Bulls are like six bucks. Like. I'm saving like right. a ton, like a, like 30 yeah. bucks a week 
and I'm saving so many cups. Like, so it's like, yeah, even something small like that, that is not like perfectly sustainable in nature. And it's not the perfect solution saved me a ton of money. And then also just made me feel better about it. Where like, I'll grab yeah. my little tumbler that I've had since I bought them. Like I bought the tumblers to use, to bring to the coffee places. That was my first step. Like in college was like, I'll buy these and then I'll, I didn't have any, I didn't have really any reusable cups. So I was like, I'll buy them and then I'll go bring them to the coffee shops and try to like do it that way. And they were from Amazon, which once again, not the perfect sustainable solution. I've had them for like since my sophomore year of college and I graduated college last year. So I've had them for a good chunk of time. They have stuck it out. And, um, I like it, it wasn't a perfect solution, but like it saved me a ton of money and I feel so much better about it when I go in the morning and I make my own Red Bull and I know that I'm saving money and I know that I'm also poisoning my insides with Red Bull, but like who cares? <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, not using this, all this like one, like single use plastic. And it genuinely, like you said, like the, the thoughtfulness, I think, I think there's a difference between going back to primally, like our, our ancestors weren't making their Red Bull little like mocktails in the morning, <laughs> but like there is something about like doing things with intentionality and like being mindful of things that might seem really minor in your daily routine that I think well, is I, really fulfilling. I love that you took something. I mean, that's like a great thing to kind of start with or like something that you do all the time that you're like, I don't really love that I use this plastic every day. Like that's right. like a great area of opportunity to think of like, how can I do this a little bit better? But I mean, honestly, I think people underestimate the things that you can just like use that you already have. Like if you're mm-hmm. trying to switch out paper towels or not use paper towels anymore, like you could buy, like we, we sell like on paper they're, towels. They're reusable ones. Yeah. But you can also just like use t-shirts, like old t-shirts that you don't want anymore as rags or like old um, you know, towels or whatever, or you can go to Goodwill and like, they have like old towels there, like use those if, you know, use what you have already. It doesn't have to be like the cutest version of it or whatever, mm-hmm. but you can, it doesn't have to cost you anything. It can cost you very little. And then maybe if that's, that's basically what I did. And then I upgraded when, you know, I ran out, all my rags got too ratty or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a great way to start is with something that you do every day and are, you know, you are not super attached to the way you do it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The, the t-shirt thing is hilarious. Cause when I first started even just being interested in this, I, I'm a sucker for accessories, which is so bad for like <laughs> sustainability. Cause I'll like get into a hobby and I'm like, I need everything that like I could ever buy for this hobby. And I did that at the beginning with sustainability. It was just like, which is so funny because that's the exact opposite of like actually trying to be sustainable. It's very and tempting though. Let's be honest. Like, it is. Well, you really want to have like this whole, yeah, it's cute. You want to have this whole, like you want your kitchen to look like it does on Instagram mm-hmm. and only have mm-hmm. bamboo. And honestly, I'm looking at my kitchen right now. Like it does kind of look like that. <laughs> that took years of building yeah, up and yeah. replacing things slowly. But it doesn't feel like we kind of don't want to, we don't like the idea of having the gelato cups or whatever, like on our. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. No, I mean like everything you know? about the, like, like I, I hate, I'm, I also have OCD. And so I hate the, like, I literally have the gelato container in my fridge and it has my soup in it. And I'm just like, 
I hate that this is a thing. Like I hate it. Um, but yeah, no, like I literally went to like a zero waste store, like an online store and got some things. And, um, some of it was stuff that I probably didn't have an alternative to that I maybe did need like the facial pads. I was like, this is a good alternative Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to use like some ratty thing on my face. Um, but I straight up bought not knowing what I was buying, like quote unquote reusable wipes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, cool. I opened that container and it was like a $15 thing. And it was someone's t-shirts literally cut up and put into a jar. (laughs) And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I could have just gone and cut up my own t-shirts. Like I have ratty t-shirts. And I was like, that, that was like kind of a little bit of a step back for me. And this was like years ago, but I was like, okay, so maybe we do some DIY stuff before we just hop on an online emporium and try to figure out a solution yeah. that's like so like just, you know, capitalism in a can. And we it was really, literally just someone's t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, we were, we in the beginning, we were very much sticklers on like, we don't want to sell anything that people like literally don't need. But like, right. like it's zero wasty. Like, I don't know. There, There used to be a bunch of examples of things like that, that we were like, why, why would you need that if you could just use a glass jar, you know, whatever. Like actually we used to feel like that about like beeswax wraps. And actually I, I've kind of changed my tune about some of that stuff because what I've realized is everybody is like different about different things and like everybody has different preferences. And anyway, I can go into a whole thing with that, but, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, we, we just don't realize the stuff we already have, like even with like the utensils. And by the way, like we sell reusable utensils that you can take on the go or whatever, right? Like we do that if like that's the option or if you're going to if you're going to be looking for that at a zero waste shop anyway we're going to find like the most sustainable version that you can do but right. honestly you probably just can take utensils from your own kitchen and bring them with you or you can like get if you don't want to like ruin your set you can get them from goodwill like you don't have to buy new things um and mm-hmm. it takes more resources to do that anyway um but we love the aesthetic and we love yeah. the immediate gratification, which you know, if we, you really, yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say too, we were also really like, there's like, there was such a look to like zero waste, low waste living that literally everything was like black and white or like wood colored. Or, yeah. You know, it was like, yeah. there was no color. It was like a very specific aesthetic. And we were, we just thought like, that's not everybody's aesthetic. Like yeah. some people are not going to associate themselves with this because they're maximalists. Like they want, like <laughs> they want it to be sparkly or maybe not like literally sparkly, but like we should but have colorful and fun. Color. And yeah. yeah. Like, it, like, you know, there's something for everybody, but I think people do underestimate like what can be done themselves, what you can DIY and like buying the new versions of things have their place, but it's not, definitely not the only option. It should be like the last option. Right. Yeah. Well, moving on to the lovely holidays, which are just like Mm. the central for buying a lot of things that you don't need and spending Mm -hmm. a lot of money and, you know, having a lot of waste. Um, let's go through some kind of quick tips to like different parts of the holiday that you think you could have like a a few kind of easy fixes to, to make them a little bit more sustainable. So we'll start off with like the big, the big one gifts. What is like a sustainable tip for gifting? I know for one 
buying secondhand. I did a few Christmases where I just went antiquing and that was my method of gifts, which I love antiquing. So I was like, this is self-serving because I just get to find cool vintage shit and I'm helping like a really cool business that's local. And, but like, what are some ways to, to do gifts a little bit more sustainably? Yeah, I think that's a great one. I I feel like we need to like normalize that more, even like with books and things that you could easily buy a new version, like buying a used version should be more okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's, it's a great opportunity or like finding a, I don't know, like vintage shopping. If you bought somebody like a cool jacket or something that you found at a vintage shop, like that would be an awesome gift. Um, there's really so many different ways you can go with this. I mean, obviously there's like the gifting experiences thing too, which mm-hmm. there's like so many different types of experiences you can give people. It can literally be doing something with them, like going on a trip or we've like bought, you know, our, our family like tickets to come visit us before, or, or sometimes it can be like, I'm on my list this year is like, um, I want to actually go to like a, performance of some kind like I'd love like theater tickets or just see a stand-up again or or something like you know when I when it feels COVID safe to do I would like those are kind of things that are awesome um I also really like the idea of giving people like very practical things but like a novel version and like something I've been like really wanting to do is like give people like an oral care kit that's like a novel version like you know we have like plastic free versions of toothpaste and plastic free versions of mouthwash and toothbrushes and things that are that like would be boring if you just got people like crest or or not only boring but like lame like to get as hell yeah like here's a <laughs> here's a tube of crest merry christmas <laughs> yeah but like getting people skincare or i don't know even just like cleaning stuff or like i got like a mending kit from Lindsay, my business partner once before oh, that's so cute and things like that that are very like you people are, are going to use it or going to buy an alternative anyway um, are great to just find like a more sustainable version of it. Um, if you yeah. know that they really like a certain, I don't know, you know, if you know that they like really care about their skincare routine or hair care, like getting yeah. those sustainable versions. And then also and I, something that I really like is gifting consumables. So like food and beverages, and it's also a great way to support like local businesses. Um, like I love giving, I have, there's this um, chocolate place in Portland called Missionary Chocolates that I always love giving. And like, I'm a big tea person. I love like organic loose leaf tea. And what's kind of cool about gifting stuff like that is you can gift the versions of things that are like too expensive or that might feel too expensive for like every day to buy yourself, but really right. aren't that expensive as a gift. Like you might be willing to spend 50 bucks on somebody for a gift, but like that means you can actually buy the like organic fair trade chocolate, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. It's a good gift and it, it's like thoughtful or you can buy like, you know, you could buy top shelf liquor, like a nice bottle of wine or something. Um, yeah. Like special. Um, but it can be consumed. And if it's in a plastic free container or something that's ideal and supporting a small business or even like a, a restaurant gift card yeah. or something. Yeah. That's so like for me this year, I'm doing, I'm gifting a lot of experiences partially because my parents are in their sixties or about to be in their sixties. And they're like, you have to stop giving us shit. Like we don't have any room for anything else. So my mom has specifically requested the last few years, like, please just get me things to do with you guys. Um, so I'm doing like experiences this year. Um, 
doing like a paint and sip class. I'm doing mm-hmm. like a, a gift card to a local restaurant, like just a lot of experiences, a lot of books. And like my list is primarily books. And I always put yeah. like at the top of my list, like, please buy used if possible. Please don't get on Amazon if possible. Um, and actually and then, making a list is super great too. Like actually oh, just like normalizing wish lists. And I used to not be into this because I like kind of the surprise of like. Oh, no, I am a list gal through and through. <laughs> I have been making yeah. Christmas lists with Word since I was in second grade. And I have <laughs> never stopped. <laughs> like I kind of. I kind of just got into it it with like Secret Santa. So actually I have like a plug for this app um, called Elfster. I've been doing Secret Santa with my friends, which is actually great too, because like if you're intimidated by like, oh my gosh, I have like 15, 20 people to get gifts for, you can kind of minimize that by like doing a Secret Santa and only having to give a gift to like one person in that group. But then also, yeah, yeah. yeah, we make lists. And so, you know, you know, you don't know exactly what it's going to be. Like you're giving people ideas. Yeah. But, um, well, and it yeah. minimizes the chance that you're going to get something that you just would want to like, like throw away, which also like, if you do get something that you want to throw away, re-gift shit. Like yes, re-gift shit. I have a gift drawer that <laughs> is full of stuff that I just re-gift or it's stuff that I got an extra of by accident. Like I'll, if I order something online and they accidentally send me an extra, I'll just put it in my gift drawer and it'll be something mm-hmm. that like I just will re-gift at some point. Um, there is so much shame around re-gifting and it's like, for why? Like if it wasn't something like hella sentimental, like why does it, why? Like that's, it's fine. Maybe don't re-gift it back to that same person. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fine. Um, and then, yeah, no, the, the, um, the consumables is a fun one. We do a, um, a, it's not a white elephant cause it's not goofy, but it's like, just like a gift exchange kind of thing at my um, like grandparents with all the immediate family. And so that you don't have to get things for everybody. That's, that's why we do it. And there's a lot of like things that people get that are like probably not great for the environment just in general, where it's a lot of things that are very like either like single use or like something that won't last very long, but that took a lot of materials to make. And so this year, like my mom's going to get like a, um, if my family's listening, like spoiler alert <laughs> for my white elephant. Um, also don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> hop off. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, my mom's going to get like a, a wood, like charcuterie board mm. and then we're going to kind of like split it. So like, it's almost like if you get my mom's gift, like if another, if a couple is kind of picking gifts together, one couple, one part, half the couple can grab the charcuterie board. And then I'm going to go to my farmer's market and just pick up local stuff for a charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. And it's always a little more expensive. And so like I'm meeting the, like kind of the price threshold, but like I'm going to get like a bottle of wine. That's like a local bottle of wine. Um, that's also normally better for you and doesn't like, doesn't have the same stuff in it that, you know, makes you feel as icky. Um, and so that's like, that's going to be our gift this year. And I was going to do something from target that was like an already pre-made thing that like had a lot of plastic in it. And I was like, well, I'm not doing a lot of farmer's market gifts this year. And I'm also not doing a lot of antique gifts. So that's probably a better way to like contribute and support smaller businesses while also getting something that no one has ever done that for our white elephant. So it's like, it's yeah. unique. It's fun. It's more sustainable. It's just overall kind of a better option. Um, yeah, I love stuff like that for the holidays or like a special occasion where it feels like a treat to get to 
it might be this, like, it's really the stuff that you probably wouldn't buy yourself every day. Like right. even the nice tea or like the nice, the expensive cheese or whatever. But like yeah. for special occasions, suddenly it's not that expensive. When you think about you could have spent a lot more money on something stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I've like, my, my list this year is very like, it's books and it's practical. And I don't think that I realized until I got my own place that it was like, if someone gets me like a special cheese I'm going to be stoked. Like I will be so excited. I literally put on my list this year, like jam, like cool jam, like somebody get me jam. Yes. Um, Cause I started making jam and I was like, I now really like jam. And it's like, if someone had given me jam when I was like 15, I would have been like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't want this. And now that I live by myself and like, I know where all of my money goes and I'm not going to buy myself the really fancy fun jam that's like from a local store that mm-hmm. like is some really cool flavor. It's so much more fun to like get it as a gift because I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it for myself now yeah, that I like exactly. know where my money goes and I'm, I, I'm, you know, my mom's not spending the money and I'm not in college and I'm, I'm, I'm actually like in my own spot, like really having to keep track of what I'm spending. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a lot more fun. And I think that those have kind of been branded as like lame gifts and they're really not, they're actually really fun gifts, especially if you know that somebody took the time to like pick it out at some local store. Like to me, that like mm-hmm. still means a lot, even if it's something that, you know, you might think of as like, even like socks, if they're like, you know, like wool socks or something that's like yeah. local, a local store, like socks are always like, Oh, you got socks for Christmas. And it's like, they're really fuzzy and they're I cute definitely have socks local. on my wish list right now. And yeah, I'm like, you guys still yeah. buy these for me, but you know, I like I want socks, I want underwear. I know you don't want to buy me underwear, but yes. like, you yes. know, here's where <laughs> and no, that's, yeah, the thing I, that's okay to buy new. <laughs> yes, I, I do I do um I don't know if it's the most sustainable or not. I think it is more sustainable with, wa- with the amount of water that it takes to produce, but I'm a big like meandies person. Um, mm. just cause they're the softest in the world. Um, but even like, it's a company that's more, cause it's so intersectional. You want to support things that are sustainable that are also promoting equality in other aspects. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to, I don't want underwear from Victoria's secret. Like I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to buy from a company that's promoting other things that I don't like. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, kind of one of those things where you try to kill as many birds with one stone as physically yeah. possible and you're probably not going to get all of them but like you can try um and, and also like gift cards to those places are great too like yeah. if you don't want to buy somebody the underwear or whatever but or you don't yeah. want to <laughs> spend a certain amount of money or you don't know like exactly what size they are or whatever like getting a gift card that's not like a target gift card or something super generic and actually doing somewhere that is a local business or something that actually does feel thoughtful and special still. Like there's a consignment shop that's like in my building. And if somebody got me a gift card for there, like I would use the hell out of it. And you know, like it's actually thoughtful. It's not just something that you got like at, while you were at the grocery store and and laughing, you know? No. Yeah. Gift cards. Like there are kind of that like set of gift cards where like, there's kind of the like target TJ Maxx, like, Old Navy and like it's kind of like or like Barnes and Noble. It's like mm-hmm. those just get circulated. But like, yeah, no. If somebody like went and got like even uh even something like um I use Thrive Market a lot, which is like uh it's a lot more uh sustainable in terms of like ordering groceries online. Um, and it's also they have 
uh, I want to say pretty much everything that they sell is fair trade, but that might not be entirely accurate, but it's, they make a real big effort. Um, and those are my groceries. But if somebody bought me a gift card to that, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Like that still saves me money and it's cool and it's thoughtful. And it also is like more ethical than getting a Target gift card. Although yes, I do go to Target. Like that is, I, I'm not, I'm not an, I haven't hopped off the train entirely yet, <laughs> partially because honestly I have a dog and like it is, it is oh, tricky yeah. and she, she's, she's cursed me with the whole sustainability thing. Um, yeah. Dog food or pet food. There, there's a lot of like dog things that are hard to do still. Although well, we do have like compostable, like dog poop bags. I've got those. I've got those. I did. I was like, that's the one thing I can like really do. She's got, um, she has a like issues with her, her pottying. And so she had a UTI for the first like year of her life. And it basically traumatized her into thinking that every time she has pee in her bladder, she needs to go right now. Um, so she can't hold it like really at all. So potty pads are my life. And like, and literally when I signed up for a dog, I assumed that she would be potty trained and we'd hop off the potty pad train. And I don't know if we ever will. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I'm like, uh, and we've tried the reusable, we do have reusable grass. So like we do try to do that and we have to replace it every like four or five months, but it's better than just doing potty pads. Um, but yeah, like there's, there are some things that your lifestyle, you might not be able to find a sustainable alternative. Like there might just be some things that it's, you just kind of have to be like, okay. Like, and if you, if you do the research and try to find something and you just can't, maybe they'll come out with some better compostable potty pads in the future that actually absorb things. And like, maybe that'll work, but you know, and I'm keeping my eye open for it, but there are some things where you kind of just got to like take the loss and find something else to, to implement. Um, with our last few, yeah, with our last few minutes here, uh, I think probably the ones that would be most relatable would be probably like Christmas. I don't know. Which ones do you think would be the ones that would like make the biggest impact or like be the most relatable to people for sustainability? For like, have like the holiday, holiday related things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for gift wrap, I'll say that like there's there's definitely a lot of good gift wrap alternatives. Like instead of buying wrapping paper, um, for one thing, it's important to note that like shiny wrapping wrapping paper is not recyclable, and obviously, like a lot, most of the time, it's like uh, it's virgin paper that you're using. So um, there's a lot of alternatives, including you can use um, like cloth to wrap it we actually that's one of the things that we carry is like a reusable these like beautiful reusable cotton wraps that you can kind of tie in a beautiful way and that can be part of the gift um but you can also just use like last year me and my husband used a lot of um uh grocery like paper grocery bags that we were getting a lot of because of covid and doing instacart or whatever and you know we're using like the inside the just like the brown part and it still has a really like classic look and you can put twine and still make it cute yeah. but it's like you're reusing something and it's recyclable we've also Even like some dried plants or like foliage and stuff to make it extra pretty definitely that you can like you know forage for in your neighborhood yeah. <laughs> we your also, we've used like um there's this place called scrap in portland but basically there's lots of like materials and and things um that they have collected that people would otherwise have thrown away to recycle or repurpose and like we got a bunch of old maps 
And so we've used like old maps that would, would have been oh, thrown so away good. as wrapping paper, or we've used like old like atlases or something that's like, you know, a big piece of paper, but that kind of thing. Like if you can repurpose something that would otherwise be trash and use it as wrapping paper, I think that's a great option or using like the reusable cloth um, or even like reusable bags. Um, I was just going to say, I'm the absolute annoying family member where I do gift bags and you like collect them all. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm like, give them back. Thank you very much. And my parents, like my whole family knows, like my immediate family is like, she wants her bag back. And everyone like collects them and gives them back. And I just have a big bag drawer in my closet and I just use them every year. And I do it for birthdays too. Like I'll give someone a a birthday gift, like family. If it's like someone that's like not super close to me, I won't, you know, make them give it back. But my family, I'm like, they, they know immediately. They just hand Mm -hmm. it right back over and they're like, here you go. (laughs) You can use it, use it next year. But yeah. And that's, uh, and those are often bags that I have had for a really long time. Um, and like you said, like trying, I'm trying to just use what I have before trying to go out and like find more stuff, which, you know, is helpful, but yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I'll say that I think like for a lot of people who are hosting for the holidays, I think there's like a huge opportunity to, um, like in a couple different ways, I think, you know, avoiding using disposable like plates and utensils and stuff. If you don't yeah. have enough, like some, you know, I know, like, I think we have eight like plates or whatever. <laughs> like we don't yeah. have that many if we were going to have more people over, but you can always add more, like you can get some more from a thrift store or something to add to the mix. Um, but using reusables, even though it's very tempting to use disposables and not have to deal with all the dishes at the end goes a long way. And also just trying to make an effort to make more of your dishes um, vegan or plant-based when you can too. Like that, like we haven't even talked about much, at least like the impact of food and, um, you know, like trying to minimize um, animal products, which, you know, take, use a lot of resources to produce. And you don't, that doesn't necessarily need to meet that you're cutting out everything because I like, maybe you have a family that would be like super upset to not have the Turkey or whatever, but you can still like, if you're going to contribute something, if you're hosting, like you can make that, um, vegan or plant-based and, but it can be be really easy too. And sometimes like a noticeable, like, yeah, especially if you're doing like a dish that's already vegetarian. So like Mm -hmm. I'm doing like apple crisp and, um, uh, green bean casserole, both yeah. which are already vegetarian. Swapping those out and making them vegan is so easy. Like mm-hmm. literally you exactly. use vegan butter and then you use coconut, like coconut cream and it is now vegan. Like yeah, it's exactly. really, really easy. Um, and no one notices. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I've made them for multiple holidays. No one ever says a thing. People are also like, like, and I, I don't know if, I don't think humans are really meant to drink as much like cow's milk as they do. So it also like when it's plant-based, it also normally makes you feel like less bloated and less icky afterwards. (laughs) Like people feel better. They normally have no idea that it's vegan. It doesn't take away from the taste. Um, If you're trying to like swap out for like tofurkey or something, you might meet some obstacles if your family is like really into that turkey. But yeah, like even at Thanksgiving, like we, there was a lot of all the dishes that I brought. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I think I, I did stuffing and had some bacon in it. And like, that was like the, the max of my, yeah. my, um, 
you know, animal product inclusion. But yeah, a lot of times people have, it's super easy to just switch them out. And yeah. You assume really that you have to make like a whole different dish that you've never heard of. And that's gotta be weird and yeah. have tofu in it. But like, I just did a friend's giving with a bunch of my friends and we, um, Lindsay, um, my co-founder was there and she's vegan. And so we all made just like sides and they were just the regular sides. It was a green bean casserole. It was the stuffing. It was the yams or whatever, but it was just vegan versions. And like, you wouldn't have noticed at all. And honestly, those are like yeah. the best parts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, anyway. <laughs> even like sweet potato casserole, if you do like marshmallows, like there are vegan marshmallows. And if you're going to mm. buy marshmallows anyways, like you can literally just buy vegan marshmallows yeah. and they're not going to be that different. Um, I think the last one I want to hit on is Christmas trees. Do you yeah. know of like a sustainable way besides just doing a reusable Christmas tree? Cause I know that that's, I know you can actually thrift reusable Christmas trees like kind of easily. Um, and if you can't at least thrift the tree, you can thrift like the ornaments and the tree skirt and the tree stand and kind of like thrift the things around it. But what about if you're actually wanting a fresh tree? Like, is there a sustainable way to do that? Yeah, that's funny. There's kind of a lot of debate over which one is more sustainable. <laughs> but but um, I think so one option that I've seen that's available locally is actually like renting a potted Christmas tree and like, and like, you know, you can return it after you're done. And, um, I think that's a great way to do it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we can also just kind of be open-minded about potentially not having a Christmas tree. Like one year I did just like Christmas lights, like on my wall and did a Christmas tree design or something. Like, I think we can kind of make it cute, but it's not the end of the world um, to have a Christmas tree if like your heart's really set on it, but doing like a potted version is great. Um, and you know, there is some benefit. Like I've definitely heard the argument for like, you know, it's, you're still growing a tree. It's a, it's a carbon sink. It's, you know, good for the environment to like have the tree. There's, there's downsides to the, the mono, uh, the mono farms and stuff, but you know, it's not the end of the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, um, like obviously it depends on your area and your even ability to like transport the tree. But I know that there are some places that take trees after you're done with them. And there are ways to like dispose of them that are more sustainable. And like, instead of just like tossing them into your trash bin at your apartment, like yeah. there are ways to do it more sustainably as well. Um, and like yeah. for me, I'm like, I get really bad allergies when I have a fresh Christmas tree. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I wasn't able to thrift my Christmas tree cause they were out. Cause I, this was like last year and I waited way till last minute, but, um, you'd be surprised too, with even decor, if you do want some new Christmas stuff, the kind of antique vintagey Christmas thing is really in. And there are some yeah. really cute stuff. Like there are really cute decorations mm -hmm. at, at thrift stores and even like mugs and like, a lot of really cute stuff that I think people assume would be just kind of dingy. And it's really not. It just like kind of reminds you of like grandma's Christmas. And it, it's actually like adorable. Yeah. I found some of my favorite stuff in like thrift stores for Christmas. I think uh, there's so much cute stuff and yeah. hand-me-downs too. My grandma just gave me like a ton of oh, her yeah. Christmas decorations that she isn't using and she's had for like 50 years. Yeah. And it also comes with like, one of them is my great grandma's like candle. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, like it's got like sentimental value and it also is more sustainable. Yeah. yeah I think honestly, the, holi ways. the holidays are a great opportunity to like, in a lot of ways to kind of like give lead by example, 
Um, and whether you're like gifting certain things or whether you're inviting people into your home and kind of showing them like how you're living sustainably, it's just a great opportunity all around to like, to spread, to spread that and plant seeds a little, little by little. And so I think it's actually a really fun, exciting time of the year. Like we're seeing a lot of people, you know, buying things from our shop that they're getting as gifts. And it's very exciting thinking about all the people who are like going to be minimizing their waste because they're, they're getting some of these products or, you know, or like going to be inviting people into their home and they're going to be using upcycled cotton, like placement mats instead of something else they could have used. You know, there's all these kind of opportunities to lead by example this time of year. And because it's like before New Year's, this is like my favorite time to like set New Year's resolutions and stuff. I think it's a great time to think about like what you do kind of want to change or work on over the next year and like have those conversations that help people inspire them to, you know, start making little changes in their lives too. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like, you know, people love a fresh start. Yes. (laughs) It's a a great, it's a great time to start things. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad that this is the way the conversation went. Um, My biggest (laughs) hope for the conversation too was what we talked about at the very beginning was that there, it would be something that isn't centered in shame. And I'm so glad that we aligned so well on that. Um, but yeah, I feel like this will be encouraging to people too, who have maybe experienced some shame or some judgment and want to help, but feel kind of in a corner or feel like they don't have the resources to do so. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate like hearing your perspective on it. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been honestly a pleasure. And I really appreciate you creating this platform to help people learn about this kind of thing with an open mind. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Well, I want people to find you and follow what you're doing and learn more because I'm, we've covered a a little bit, but (laughs) there's so much more that people can learn. So where can people find you? What is your platform up to? Like what kind of things do you guys have going on? Yeah, so you can uh, learn more about us at our website is uh, wayofbeing.co and our Instagram handle is the same, wayofbeing.co. And, um, you know, we're based in Portland and we have a shop in Portland and we're hoping to expand and grow over the next couple years. But really, we just want to be a resource for people to learn more about how to live more sustainably and like create a community where people can kind of share and learn from each other. And, you know, also if you're just looking for where to start, we have like quizzes and blog posts and all kinds of resources that can give you ideas for where you can start, um, what to focus on, you know, why all these things matter. Um, so definitely check us out, head to our website, wayofbeing.com. Awesome. And then is the store just, is it just a physical store in Portland or do you guys have an online store as well? We have an online store as well. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. 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 Well, I will put all of that in the episode notes. so Everybody can find it. Um, I would suggest heading over there for me. I think being able to follow accounts that give me really small kind of little tidbits of information at a time when it's such an overwhelming, um, really dense thing to learn about can be an easy way to take it in, I think. And also just like, even the little infographics of like, here's something you can do. It's like, okay, I can try that. It yeah. makes it a little bit more palatable. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again for coming on. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
Awesome. Well, okay. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also follow the blog on Instagram at Serafina blog and visit us online at serafinablog.com. Um, to end our time, as always, unclench your jaw, take a deep breath. And remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will see you guys next week. 